Hi, I'm Mary Michael. Welcome to the Innovate Your Life podcast. This is a weekly podcast where we are constantly inventing through actionable insights to live your best life. Join our weekly podcast for inspirational stories and mini innovative blueprints that can help you reach your goals further and faster. Hello, and welcome to Innovate Your Life Podcast with Mary Michael. I'm Mary Michael, your host on the show. If you're new and this is the first time you're hearing our podcast, let me tell you a little bit about what we'll be discussing on this podcast. We will be discussing how to live your best life. And no matter where you are in your journey on your life or your busy quest to control chaos and live your best life from career to family life to learning to unwind and be in the moment with mindfulness, we share inspirational stories from others just like you to support our journey on this planet to motivate you to live your best life. First, let's discuss the definition of what it means to live your best life. The phrase living your best life is truthfully very broad and subjective. So let me add a little needed clarification to allow for a unique life experience that everyone has. On social media, the tagline of living my best life, many think that it's posting pictures of a selfie on a beach to a really amazing looking dish or a postcard image from a favorite destination. However, I want to go a little bit deeper than that picture and a great hashtag, hashtag best life. But what does it really mean? In society, living your best life can feel like the pressure of the best and has a clear definition that feels very restrictive in this context of a really big milestone. So let me give you an example. Let's just say you're on LinkedIn. And if you're listening to social media, best life means you've landed your dream job. You're traveling the world or you got accepted by a top Ivy League university. Living your best life in this context of social media ignores the small wins and praises received to reach that overall goal or finish line and totally overlooks all the work it took to get there. Get there. It is a snapshot of the win, but not all the failures. Let's face it, life is fluid and it's not just the big milestones. There's ups and downs along the way and the small wins. On LinkedIn, would you post how many times you got rejected from a job? Probably not. So I just wanna take a pause and ask a couple of questions. Are you still living your best life when you've saved enough money for that dream vacation? Or maybe you were rejected from numerous jobs before you finally landed your current one. Or maybe you created your dream team but had a couple of failed experiences. What about all the time in between to get to that goal? What about all the mistakes along the way? Success is not your only win. It is a journey to get there that teaches you not only about the win, but along the way, the grit that it takes. To to make it and master a skill and make it to the top, it is impossible to make it to the top without a mistake or experience failure or what I like to call learning or pitfalls. Living your best life may only shine a light on the success stories or the winning moments, but not all of life can be a success. Look back at Thomas Edison and how many fails he had before he could make a light bulb work. To be exact, it was around 1,000 times he failed before the light bulb could actually work. We all have dreams and wishes. We, 
we are all inventors and learning to reach your greatest potential is part of creating a life worth living. Many of us have visions for tomorrow and these visions of various features or futures or an ideal world where we exercise more or we find the career that we actually love or we make money and we're financially independent, we have more time, you name your own vision. There's endless visions. Odds are, if you're listening to this now, it's because you want more from life and that you are capable of more than what you're doing today. You have potential for much, much more. You have hopes and dreams, and you are ready to create the life you want. On a greater level, pursuing our dreams also means finding purpose and meaning in life. And it's not always clear where the North Star is pointing us. Without a direction in life, we may feel like a void is there. That feels like something is missing in our lives. This can feel like a haunted feeling of wanting more and listening for the whispers that are trying to tell us something important and finding the time to reflect and turn off that inner critic becomes even more critical to taking those 10 minutes a day to silence the world and allow ourselves to listen to life. Living my best life also means that as soon as we reach our potential, we continue to set the bar even higher. Hey, we've always gotta, we've always gotta need a purpose or a goal, right? It's not just about a quick fix or a get rich scheme. It is a commitment to myself of what is really important to me. Living your best life does not necessarily mean living in a utopia world where once I do a certain task, then I can quit. It means I'm always asking myself what is working and what is not and constantly inspecting and adapting and constantly moving towards what gives me energy so I can live my fullest potential. Some may call this mastery of a subject, hobby, sport, or whatever you want to call it. An example when I look back at life is learning how to master three sports, swim, bike, run, at a high level, constantly kept me going to perfect not only the (laughs) mechanical aspects of the sport, but also the mindset to push through a whole new level of cardio endurance. Another example is creating the brand Innovate Your Life with Mary Michael and perfecting my communication and my story so I could relate to others. This might mean really mastering a podcast, a website, or learning how to set up a whole affiliate part of a website. Part of that journey of life is to discover what we really like, what really interests us, gives us energy, and makes us feel alive. Self-inquiry and constantly doing self-reflections are one of the numerous ways for uncovering what we really want in our lives. This is not always easy to look back on an inward perspective of some of And for some of us, it may be fear of looking deeper into our soul. Discovering what we want in life also means what we don't like and confronting what we don't want in life. And the process can be rough and not glamorous at all. However, learning to live with your true self leads to rewards that frequently exceed our expectations. The best part 
is when we simply live life every day and can feel awesome that we are living with a purpose. Creating the life I want, aka my best life, requires a dedicated dedication to personal growth. I must be willing to constantly innovate, learn from my mistakes, change, grow, and do what it takes to live my best life. Living and innovating my best life also means living a balanced life with the art of moderation. Balance is a key part of living well. By managing time and energy levels wisely, I foster all aspects of my, myself, my body, my mind, and my spirit. But what it means to live my best life. So what does it mean to live my best life? It means to live up to my potential. Living up to my potential means doing the things that I hope to do someday. Instead of saying, I'd like to do it someday. Now, instead of putting those things off for some magical time in the future, life is temporary and I don't want to wait to feel fulfilled. Our goal at Innovate Your Life is to create focus and clarity and to be able to control the chaos in our life so we can achieve our goals and what matters most to us. We have resources that can support your goals, and sometimes it means decluttering or figuring out how to manage chaos to live clearer. For others, it may mean living life in the present and listening to your interests. We are here for you, and we have many innovative blueprints to support your journey on our website with a podcast, free PDFs, and a shop that's open 24-7 with helpful resources to keep you going. All the links will be posted in the show notes. In this episode, I'm going to give you a taste of what you can expect with a sneak preview of podcasts we have not only done in the past, but podcasts to come where we explore new topics from careers to family and who is in your pit crew, a question you'll hear over and over again. All these are part of inspirational stories that we will share of constantly refining our life and allow us to fail fast and grow. So looking back at a prior episode about career, I talk about how to build and keep that confidence up with a lot of music in the background. I treat it like an exercise video. And this is one of my favorite sections where we talk about pumping up your confidence. Let's listen in. In business, very few succeed without confidence, yet we all have moments from our first job to even seasoned leaders where we are uncertain in our ability to take on new challenges. There is no magic cure or drug that can create immunity to these bouts of insecurity in work or life, but they don't have to hold you back. confidence. So are you ready to work on that confidence? Okay, I'm so pumped. Let's get into this. So here are 10 ways that I've identified to give that confidence workout. That's right, we need to work on our confidence. So let's get going. All right, so some of you may be driving to work. Uh, This is a great way to start listening and visualizing how you're going to start to stay in that confidence lane. Ready? So number one, stay in your bubble and stand up for yourself stay in that bubble is what I told an athlete as she ran her first marathon. Don't compare yourself to others that may pass you. You are in this for yourself. This is your race, not anybody else's race. So what does that get down to? 
don't care about what others think about you. That's right. How many times have you been told that you can't achieve a goal? Was it a rejection from your employer? Maybe it was a rejection from a school. Was it negative feedback from your family or friends? People have opinions and biases and they are probably more insecure than you. So they may have said your goal is crazy or you're just not ready for it or you just can't do it. So don't try. So get some noise blocking headphones and stay in that bubble. While everyone is telling you the odds are against you, chances are they're probably very wrong. As most people are, they're wrong. So don't listen to them and stay in your bubble and keep going. Question that. Question what they are saying and constantly come back with more evidence to show that you are right. So don't listen to them. Stay in your bubble and keep going. If you think you can, you can. Just like Disney said, if you can dream it, you can do it. After an episode of Confidence, I talked with Glenna Crooks, founder of Sage My Life, where we explore networks and why it's so important to have a pit crew. The question, the best question she ever asked was, who was in her support team? When we look back at our networks, all too often we have people that we depend on, but where's our support crew? Let's listen in for a couple of minutes for this valuable advice. One of the things most people don't know about me, and this is relevant to the story, is that I like action flicks and superheroes. So it was 2007, and I saw the trailer for the first Iron Man movie, became an instant fan of the movie. Well, while I was waiting for the movie to be released, I was also watching interviews with Robert Downey Jr., and in one of them, in a fashion magazine, he commented that he had a pit crew of people helping him out. He named his sensei, a yoga teacher, a psychiatrist, but he said, but you know, I need a pit crew. He said, I'm not a Model T, I'm a Ferrari, and it takes more of a pit crew to keep us on the road. Well, my first thought about that, I must have been in a snarky mood that day, was, hey, if you're, if, if you're a Ferrari, I am at least a Maserati. And you know what? You're right. It does take a pit crew. Who's mine? And how are they doing? And then finally, I started to worry. I thought, uh-oh, I'm in other people's pit crews. How am I doing? Now, after thinking about this for a while um, and starting to muse about whether this might be the replacement for Best Edge, I realized that I had actually looked at pit crews before, but only about my business. A consultant had suggested to me that I make a list of everybody I needed to manage in order to have my business, but I had never looked at my personal life. So what I did was put a piece of paper on the kitchen counter, and as people's names came to me, I wrote them down on the list. I quit at a point when I thought I was done. Turns out I wasn't. I people I forgot. But uh, that list at that point I quit the first time was 139 people. I had no idea that's what it took to manage my personal life, 139 people. And I, by the way, have a relatively simple life because I don't have a spouse. There's no in-laws or his friends or colleagues on my list. I don't have children, so there's no babysitters and teachers and coaches and orthodontists on my list. My mom is healthy. She didn't need me for anything at the time except love. My friends weren't having any crises at the time they needed me for. I didn't have a dog. I didn't even have a cat. Wow. That is some amazing insight right there. So I can't even imagine that my life, how many people would need, I would need to support my life with two kids and a whole family. 
uh, if it was only 139 for uh, a relatively simple life, as, as you phrased it. As I started a family, Glenna's advice took full shape, and we explore being part of Team Parent with a pit crew. So here's a trailer of an upcoming episode where I talk about team parent and what it means to my life to be a super mom and how I've learned to create a dream team or what I call a family pit crew. Hello and welcome to our podcast series called Who's in Your Pit Crew? This is where we'll explore the aspects of building your dream team and managing chaos so you can focus on your best life. This idea of building a dream team or a pit crew did not become so important until I joined what I call Team Parent. And with the journey of raising a family with a culture and values, while at the same time rising up to the challenges of a career, I sometimes say it's like a tango dance of managing chaos and having a pit crew would be amazing so we can dance in tune and ultimately achieve life's goals. The best question someone ever asked me was, who was in my pit crew? At first I thought I could do everything without a dream team. That was such a limiting belief ingrained deep into my mind. And I was pretty much wrong in my assumption that I could be a super mom. As soon as I learned what it meant to be a parent, and managing a demanding schedule, sleep deprived. I now realize the value of a dream team and a pit crew driving the same values and acting as a team so we can all live our best life. And when I mean our best life, I also want to mention that it means me time as well or taking care of my sanity. I had to visualize myself as a race car driver and if I needed to be able to perform at my best possible self, then Could I be expected to change a tire during the middle of a race and still keep up with the other race car drivers? Absolutely not. A race car driver would go insane if he or she was expected to do everything. This is seriously why parents need a pit crew. There is a wise old saying that says, if you want to go slow, go alone. If you want to go fast, go together. This applies to race car drivers, and it also applies to teams that have great attitude and want to see a win-win and work together. This is exactly what I wanted for my family. So I started to look at how I could delegate, which was not easy to do. But also, I wanted to create a winning team environment where not only do I succeed, but my whole entire family succeeds, and anyone who joins my family would win as well. Finding a caregiver to be part of my team parent was not easy at all. And I completely failed a couple times with trying daycare to trying a nanny, then trying to find somebody absolutely perfect to join the team. For many of my colleagues, this, they sometimes say, feels like a full-time job. And it can take up much of your time, even some of your vacation time, sick time, holidays. It all goes into finding that reliable caregiver. It was not until a colleague mentioned that I try the au pair program. At first, my gut said no. I don't want anybody living in my house. And the stories that are posted everywhere about young adults looking for another place to party besides their own home country. At first, I was absolutely opposed. Also, my kids were under the age where getting an au pair was even harder. But 
I actually learned that it was the best thing, and my assumptions were wrong. I also had other host parents mentor me in the way, in the way I screened for my dream team. So since becoming a host mom, I am now less stressed and can actually think about doing some type of podcast like this one. So my goal is, is with this podcast that we share stories with best practices on how to ultimately build your dream team, or as I say, the family pit crew. Because if we can all share, it's just like that wife saying, if you want to go slow, go alone. If you want to go fast, go together. So let's team up host parents and let's find the best possible family pit crew. And finally, here's a sneak preview of a following episode where we'll speak with Lisa, a host mom that started a YouTube channel, and how this experience of creating her pit crew has changed her life 300%. Let's listen in. I'm so happy to find another host mom just as enthusiastic as I am about sharing their experience. So I have to ask this first question. Why did you start your YouTube channel called American au pair host mom. Can you give us a little bit of detail about that? Absolutely. So I started it just because my au pair experience changed my life like 300% better. Like just so many ways that I didn't even expect. Life is hard and we need help. So I, I enjoy helping people on things that I'm passionate about. And this is definitely a huge passion topic for me. So been thinking about for a couple months. My au pair was even my first cheerleader, like, hey, yeah, you should start that channel. And had a little downtime and got started. So far, it's fun. (laughs) So even as a busy parent, you're able to share advice and tips about getting started. So maybe you can tell me a little bit more about you. So who is Lisa? Where do you live? What do you do? How busy are you as a parent? Any parent's got to stay super busy, right? But, um, I am married to a wonderful husband named Eric, and we have two great kids that are eight and six, and we both work full-time, which means that we're super busy, right? Um, I work in program management. My background's engineering. My husband's IT. Um, And yeah, it's hard to fit the hours in the day, but that's what makes me so passionate about the au pair program because it has freed up a lot of time for me. And we live in Atlanta, uh, in a northern suburb of Atlanta, a pretty cool place because it's not too cold. I grew up in Florida and I hate the cold. So even moving here, my parents call this the frozen tundra, which is kind of funny, but we love it. We're close to the mountains and the forest, but we're also close to a huge big city with lots to do. So just enjoy life. Excellent. So how did you become a host family? I know you got an exciting story. I've watched your trailer and it's pretty interesting. I think every host family has a different journey of how they got to be a host parent. So can you tell us how you got to be here today as a host mom? Absolutely. So actually the story goes back way before I became an parent host mom. And it goes back to when I was pregnant with my first kid. And obviously, like most first-time moms, I was super nervous. I already felt extremely busy, and I didn't know how I was going to handle it all. So, of course, I started investigating all my options. But one of the things that was in the back of my brain from even earlier was I knew somebody at work, and they had au pairs, them too, actually. 
um, from Sweden. And I got to meet them because I also uh, have opened my home to college engineering interns from my past company. So before we had kids, we would often have large gatherings with all the college interns and I'd have 20 or 30 kids on the weekend hanging out at my house. And the au pairs came over a couple of times. I'd never heard of it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I asked my colleague about it. He's like, oh yeah, they're great. Plus, you know, people get to know about my homeland and my kids are going to learn their, their native language and, you know, just be exposed to that. And I have a lot of help. And I'm like, that's interesting. But I didn't really think about it much then. I was a lot younger, wasn't really ready to think about kids. Um, the next kind of little pointer or thing that made me think about the au pair program was later on in life, I met a uh, colleague at work who had au pairs. And, um, and he mentioned that they're great, but um, that it's even easier to do the program once your kids are in elementary school. Because most people know that are in the program, you can only have your au pair work for 45 hours. And this is actually our first downfall. We thought about it right when I was pregnant. And we actually signed up and started interviewing au pairs. And our first interview was amazing. She seemed like this perfect German girl. Her, her mom ran a daycare. She helped with it. She had like seven little toy cars in the background and three little playgrounds. And she talked about how she grew up raising kids and she seemed super sweet. And we were super excited and we're like, here's our little newborn baby and I want you to come. But then we started calculating the hours. And with both me and my husband working, we were going to need somebody to work like 80 hours. And some people I know can do the two up hair thing, but uh, that was going to be a little expensive for us. So we flipped and we went to daycare. We were actually really lucky that my husband works for Home Depot and they actually built a daycare while I was pregnant. So my kids were on site with my husband. They did amazing, um, got all that great social interaction. But where it started to fall apart was when my oldest started kindergarten. Um, my husband works further away. So obviously we switched my son into his elementary school by our house. And also this meant that our daycare had to be by the elementary school. So, they so you know, we, we looked into a couple, saw some really cool daycare programs. In fact, there was even one that had like mini little cooking stoves and they'd have like cooking class and then they go bowling and they do tennis. I'm like, wow, this sounds great. What I didn't realize was there's so little tolerance um, and understanding for the kids. So my son, he has ADHD. He's like the sweetest, most empathetic little guy, but he struggles with the communication and he can react. He's, he can be much more highly emotional when things happen, right? So he'd be there and like somebody would be like, that's my toy. And he'd be like, no, I had it first. And then they'd take it from him and he'd be like, give it back. Kid doesn't give it back. He's not giving it back. He shoves them. And the daycare worker that's taking care of 15 kids only sees my son shove the other son and calls us up and says, your kid's violent. He's beating up other kids. He won't tell us why. And that was the biggest problem. My son wouldn't talk to them. He didn't trust them. And he was shy and introverted and he would just sit there. And then they'd call me up. I'd be in some big VP meeting presenting to CEOs and things like that. And they'd call me in the middle of the meeting like, you have to come right now. 
Like, we can't wait. Your son's not allowed to interact with our kids. You have to pick him up. And if this happens three times, he moves on to the next one. So after three different daycares, including one that my son actually went outside without anybody knowing, and he was roaming the grounds for 30 minutes in 30-degree weather without a jacket, and they had the audacity to call me up and yell at me about my kid's behavior, that was the last straw. And they were telling me things that just didn't describe my kid. It just... It made me cry and it made me sick to my stomach when I saw those phone numbers calling. I just, oh, I cringed just thinking about it. But that's what made me remember the all care idea and got, got back into it and uh, started investigating and got our first all care and she's been amazing. <laughs> so finally, we had a pandemic with COVID-19. We discussed the importance of self-care and why it's so important to take care of you. We all need a sanity break and we actually have training a training video on how to do mindfulness in just 10 minutes a day. Yep, you heard me, all you need is 10 minutes a day to realize the benefits and to keep calm and carry on. Here's a section from our mindfulness training that is absolutely free on our website. And the links are in our show notes. But here's a section of what you can expect. As you so correctly pointed out, um, we are in unprecedented times. And during a time like this, it's natural to experience catastrophic thinking. And generally, catastrophic thinking is really uh, a thought process that takes us out of the present moment and really has us focused on thoughts of the past that may be about life as we knew it before the pandemic. And it can also be about um, fears that we have for the future. But all of this catastrophic thinking takes us out of being present and in our moment. Because for most of us, when we are experiencing presence and we're in the moment, we are free from some of the fears that encroach on us um, when we become absorbed with the past and present. So for today, as Mary said, we're going to share this exercise to help you with the coping process as we move through this experience that's unique um, for all of us and that we're uniquely sharing worldwide. So to begin, I will help to define what a presence practice is as we strive to calm the chaos in this moment. I'll share with you some of the key features and benefits of this practice and how it's relevant and may be useful for you now. And then of course, we'll share other resources that will help you to continue to move through this challenging time um, effectively and knowing that you have the support from many people around you, including um, Mary and her team. The presence practice generally is something that um, begins with a 10 to a 15 minute daily practice. So it's not overwhelming. And particularly as many of us are at home, um, we have the luxury to some extent to be able to select perhaps some window of time, maybe even as we're thinking about taking a lunch break to give ourselves this 10 minutes of a gift of presence. And in these moments, 
in essence, you're just going to stop, breathe, and be in presence, bringing your awareness to what is around you now, who is around you now, what are you doing, and simply appreciating being in the moment. Well, that wraps up today's episode. There's a lot more to come, so we hope you enjoyed today's episode and check us out at www.innovateyourlife.today. All right, thanks for joining us. See you next time. You have been listening to the Innovate Your Life with Mary Michael. Tune in again to learn more about how you can innovate your life and realize your purpose and dreams and live your best life. Visit www.innovateyourlife.today. A special thanks to those that make this show possible. Our show is produced by Melissa, the master artist. Our co-host is Linda, the collaborator, catalyst, and connector. And our show is recorded and edited in the spare time of Mary Michael. Thanks again, and we'll see you soon.